Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, and he is the one and only Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we are inching ever closer to the first round of the 2018 NFL Draft. It will be Thursday night starting at 7 p.m. Central Time. So I want to spend a good chunk of this show talking about the first round and how it might unfold. There are all kinds of scenarios as far as how this could go for the Green Bay Packers, currently sitting with the number 14 overall pick. Do you have a gut feeling as to who might be available, who the Packers might be choosing from, assuming they decide to stay at 14 for now? Yeah, I think you do. Uh, this is the first year I think you can confidently say that. The 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 contrasting part to this, though, Mike, is the fact that out of all the years that the Packers we're picking near the end of the first round. This is probably the year where you're getting a little bit more bang for your buck at the end of the round. Uh, depending on how many quarterbacks go, depending on if there's a run in a certain player, um, not that saying it'll be picked through by any means at 14, but there really seems to be the Packers are right on that line right now in terms of where I think you're truly going to find the elite players, and then when you're starting to find guys a little bit based on projection. You have the five quarterbacks. I know Mason Rudolph's name now is getting thrown out there too as a potential first-rounder. I don't know if he ends up in that you know, vicinity at all, but then you got that next wave. And in the way I look at it, I think you have five elite type prospects as far as the defense is concerned. It's Bradley Chubb, uh, I believe it's uh, Smith from Alabama, the linebacker, and then the Georgia th- from Georgia. Ro- Ro- I'm sorry, Roquan Smith, Roquan Smith. Right. and then the three defensive backs: Derwin James, Minka Fitzpatrick, and Denzel Ward. The Packers would be through the moon if Ward was available at 14. The only question is, though, with him being the the top natural cornerback in this spot and this being a passing league, whether or not he can trickle down that far. Yeah, I would say the other guy that I'm hearing, if you're talking about that, the elite defensive prospects, you throw Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech into that mix. So that gives you that gives you six guys there, um, two or three linebackers, essentially, in Chubb, Smith and Edmonds and then the three defensive backs that you mentioned. Really, this whole thing is going to be dictated by the quarterbacks. You've got the top four quarterbacks, Allen, Rosen, Darnold, and Mayfield. They could go in whatever order. Lamar Jackson being talked about as the um, as the potential fifth quarterback. Saquon Barkley, Quentin Nelson, running back from Penn State and guard from Notre Dame, respectively, also being talked about as, as top ten picks, possibly even top five or six picks. Um <sighs> It's where these quarterbacks go that are gonna. That's going to determine who will be there for the Packers on that uh, that number fourteen line. And I'm going to throw one other name into the mix as a, as a guy to watch who could change this whole equation. And I'm talking about Mike McGlinchey, the left yeah. tackle from Notre Dame, because Matt this Ryan's is a very cousin. what's that Matt Ryan's cousin. There you go, Matt Ryan's cousin. This is a very thin draft for franchise left tackles, and McGlinchey, by all accounts, is probably the best one on the board. If somebody who needs a left tackle is really, really enamored with him, that's another guy who maybe sneaks up into the top 12 or 13 picks and then pushes another one of those defensive prospects potentially down to number 14. But you don't really know. You just don't know how this is going to go. There there are any number of ways... There are any number of ways it could go, but I agree with you that those names you mentioned, particularly 
the three defensive backs because I don't think Chubb or Smith is going to be there at 14. I almost write that off yeah. like from the beginning. But those three defensive backs, Ward, Fitzpatrick, and James, if one of those guys is there at number 14, I think the Packers are going to be pretty happy. Yeah, and, and another thing to bring up too, and you mentioned McGlinchey, this is where you mentioned it's not a great year for elite offensive tackles. Last year wasn't either. Yeah. So there are going to be some teams out there that are going to be hungry to try finding them. I think Colton Miller falls into that category too from UCLA. He won't go that high. I think he does go in the first round, six foot nine. Six foot eight, three hundred and ten pounds. Yeah, big kid tall from dude. UCLA. Yeah, uh, I think the real, I think the linchpin for those first ten picks is what the Giants do. Do they go with Barkley or do they go with a quarterback? If they take a quarterback, that might tempt one of those teams, whether it, that that has a quarterback in place, like a like the Chicago Bears, you know, maybe like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that they were looking at maybe a defensive position to get them to bite on Barkley if he happens to fall that far. Because I have to think the Denver Broncos, even though they let C.J. Anderson go, they still got to be thinking about quarterback two there, yeah. trying to find their next guy. So the Giants are the interesting one. And, okay, so if the Giants do take the quarterback, then Barkley's probably not making it past number four with the Browns. But if they take Barkley, well, your hair's on the line with this one in terms of <laughs> I, d- I doubt that the Browns are going to take – another quarterback so then what position does John Dorsey take this is the big question and then if you want to make it just a little bit more confusing Mike those phones are ringing constantly there's teams looking to move up there's teams that are you know kind of mortgaging their future to get the guy that they feel is going to help them right starting this day one yeah and for those wondering about the hair comment (laughs) Uh, to clarify for people, you mentioned in our Insider Inbox column that if John Dorsey, as GM of the Browns, takes quarterbacks with both the first and the fourth pick, that you would shave my head. I was not involved in this decision whatsoever, but you threw it out there, so now I think the Insider Inbox community is going to hold you to it. Oh, absolutely. And I wouldn't put my own hair on this. Mike, look at that. Some luscious locks that you have going on there. If I shave my head, it might not grow back. I'm just holding on to whatever I have left. I would be foolish to put my own hair on the line, but I did want to understate the fact that it would be tempting, especially in this environment, to take two quarterbacks, but you got to remember – the position you'd be putting those young men in, they want to say that they're the franchise. You want to rally around your guy. How do you rally around a guy when you have two of them standing around and they both? Well, and how do, and, and how do you develop two at once when, when you're trying to figure out who the franchise guy is? You, I, I, you got to pick one and go for it. But Dorsey holding that first and fourth pick, he's, uh, he, he's also the the turnkey guy in this draft in some respects. It's very important because he could trade it. He could take a really good football player at that spot. Um, if you look at it too, they have a lot of good guards there already. They have that inside of the line kind of fortified. So you wonder if they would sap up one of those defensive players. So it's just, it's a lot of question marks and it's all based on what really, to me, the Giants end up doing at number two. Yeah. And you mentioned uh, some trade scenarios and I want to talk about those after the break back with more on Packers unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. Okay, Wes, so if the Packers decide to trade out of the 14th spot, do you see them, do you see Brian Gutekunst going up or back? I want to go up okay. if I'm the Packers. And the reason I, I've, I've said this so long, Mike, it's, it's probably getting to be a broken record at this point, but 
this is an opportunity. I've said it since the very end of the season when we knew the Green Bay Packers were going to be picking 14th. This is your chance to go and find a guy that on every single board, unequivocally, the guy has a first-round grade for the most part. Yep. I want to get one of those players. And if you feel, if, and, and you don't want to get married to guys, obviously Brian Gutekunst talked this week, you have to be able to, to find the right balance that, that you're not just going out of your mind to get a guy that you think is just the greatest thing since sliced bread. There has to be value taken into account. But I just feel, especially with those 12 picks, you have that third rounder that could be used to move up three or four spots if you need to. I, if it's me personally, I would trade up. And that's when you when you talk about the value being there, that's all part of the equation when we're talking about these quarterbacks, right. that these four, possibly five quarterbacks that could go in the top 10 or 12 picks. That's pushing down, you know, best player available type scenarios, guys that, you know, if you take the quarterbacks out of the mix, are top five, top six, top seven picks in this draft, but they're going to drop down into that 10, 11, 12 range. And when you say opportunity, the Packers normally have been picking at, you know, 27, 28, 30 some years. Yeah. The cost of moving from 30 up to 10, for example, is way bigger right. than moving from 14 up to 10 if you've got that guy in your sights that you want to get. So when I hear you say opportunity, that's what I'm understanding you yeah. saying. Yeah, absolutely. And, and hey, I'm not going to discount anything. We don't know what it's like in that draft room. If there's yeah. one of these teams with two first-round picks or somebody overwhelms you and then the draft value chart just tells you you're getting a bargain, okay, you play that game. But yeah. my thought is is that it's just you have – whether it, it – somebody's going to fall, Mike. Somebody will, unequivocally. So you're going to get one of the top defensive backs. You're going to get one of the top pass rushers. You're going to get one of the top prospects in this draft with over 1,000 players will be entering the league here – you're going to get one one of the top 1% of that. And I just I really think that when you 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 want to have swings at the plate, you want to be able to get as much value as you can, but to me, I just look at that number 14 spot as a huge asset in that it gives you the the power to potentially move up and not have to, you know, trade future picks, but it also gives you the option that depending on what happens at the cornerback position, if quarterbacks don't end up going in the first 10, and maybe there isn't a guy there that you like, and somebody wants to come up and get one of those quarterbacks that fell, another option on the table as well. Yeah. Okay, so let me throw this out at you. You go back to 2009. We've said it many times. The last time the Packers had a pick in the upper half of the first round was 2009 when they were sitting at number nine and selected B.J. Raji, and that was also the year then that Ted Thompson used second and third round picks to move back into the tail end of the first round to select Clay Matthews and have two first round picks yeah. in one year. Do you see that as a possible scenario this year or do the Packers maybe not quite have the draft capital to do it? I really appreciate that you brought this question up because it's a great point you make because the same thing we talk about with moving up from 30 to 10, the same holds true in the second round. The Packers had those extra picks and had the value there to move back into the first round to take Clay Matthews because they just ended up taking B.J. Raji at number nine. They didn't trade anything to move up from that spot. Right. So the same principles are in line there. For that reason, if the Packers do sit at 14, I think that's entirely in play, that if there's a guy that they feel is there at the end of the first round that can be a difference maker, that they can potentially move up and get that player. It all depends on what the price is to, to play that hand, though. Yeah. But you look at 2009, Mike, and you can't always replicate history, but 
you and I both know that without B.J. Raji and without Clay Matthews, that defense doesn't become what it was in 2009 and 2010. They don't get to the Super Bowl. They don't have that instant renovation underneath Dom Capers if those two players aren't there. Correct. Capers said right from the beginning, you needed the defensive tackle, especially in that day and age when they were playing that much space, and you needed the pass rusher, and it ended up coming up spades for them. Yeah. Well, all the the way all of these uh, different things could play out, we'll talk about this more later, but very quickly, your gut feeling as of right now, do the Packers sit at 14, do they trade up, or do they trade down? To me, I still have this hunch that they're going to trade up. Okay. And then no no basis, all speculation. Uh, and when you look at my draft board, it's just all cattywumbus at this point. I mean, I got, <laughs> I got nothing in terms of where all these guys are going to turn out. But I, I just – I think this is a chance to make a statement. And I just feel, depending on how that board is moving at number seven or eight, that if you think the value is there to go get a playmaker – I think you take your shot. All right. I'm going to say that they probably just stay at 14, but we're going to talk about that more on cool. our next show. The next thing I want to get to, though, is uh, there's more to this draft than just the first round. That's true. So let's uh, <laughs> get to that after the break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkowitz. Okay, Wes, let's uh, step out of the first round for a minute here and take a look at, you know, kind of these middle rounds, which is where, you know, the real uh, drafters, the the, uh, the top GMs make hay and make their reputation is, is with these middle round picks. Are there some guys, and I don't care what position you want to address, but are there some guys in the middle rounds that, that you kind of had your eye on that maybe you think could be a good fit for the Packers that we might see the Packers take on uh, day two or even early on day three of this draft? As far as fit, and I don't know how high offensive line is going to be on their list of needs, but Austin Corbett uh, from Nevada is just the guy I've really had my eye on because he fits that prototype that they've looked for on the offensive line for the last decade in that he was a really successful college tackle at a mid, you know, a mid-level tier. I mean, Nevada's not considered like a big FBS power uh, but he's going to transition to being an interior lineman in the NFL. 6'4", 305. I don't know about you. They've had a lot of success with that body type in the interior of the offensive line. Yeah. I think that that's a guy that gives you some flexibility depending on where you have to use him. I think he's probably going to end up being a day-two pick, and he might be a little too high for 45. So I don't really know if it's going to equate. But in terms of just looking at a guy that screams a Packer person to me, Corbett's uh, one of the going through this whole process has been one of the guys I've really been following. All right. Well, I'm going to take you to the state of Oklahoma for a Let's couple do guys it. to keep your eye on. And I, and I'll bring up these guys partly because I did prospect primers on them for our website. So then you do a little research on these guys and you start to think, ah, oh, yeah, I could see these guys, you know, fitting. Maybe, maybe the Packers are going to like this guy. And, I, and they're both pass catchers, university of Oklahoma, tight end, Mark Andrews strikes me as kind of like another Jimmy Graham, not as fast, not quite as fast anyway, but kind of like another Jimmy Graham just in terms of tall guy, tough matchup, big catching radius. You can throw the ball all sorts of places. Um, And uh, um, a guy who's going to need some time to develop, which is why I don't think he's necessarily going to be a first or a second round pick. He's going to be he's going to be taken later in the draft. And the other guy that strikes me also from the state of Oklahoma, this is Oklahoma State. And I'm talking about wide receiver James Washington. I think this guy is a mid round type of pick and he strikes me 
as another James Jones, but yeah. with a little more speed, a little bit more of a deep threat than perhaps James Jones was in his very productive career here for the Packers. So those are two guys. If you want to check out the prospect primers on the website, um, I did a little research on those guys. Just guys that intrigue me because I think the Packers are going to restock the uh, the pass catchers at both wide receiver and tight end in this draft. I'm keeping my eye on those two. Yeah, and then one other guy to throw up, although now he's he's kind of like been um, like Vander Esch, one of these outside backers that's sort of been climbing up boards with Sam Hubbard uh, from Ohio State, outside linebacker, yeah. defensive end, edge rusher. I was originally thinking he would end up being a mid-round guy, but then I saw, I think it was ESPN, did their mock draft with their beat writers, and Hubbard ended up going in the first round. I think there's some questions about his upside and just how far his ceiling goes, but he he looks the part of a really successful outside backer, 6'3", over 6'3", in um, you know, about that 255, 260-pound range, uh, very successful at Ohio State. Uh, was another guy I kept an eye on. And then just, I mean, for my own purposes, just trying to keep an eye on it, I mean, Shaq Griffin is going to be a guy I think uh, everyone's going to be watching. Here. Great story. I don't know where he goes. From what I understood, I think he's going to Dallas, right? He's going to be Yes, there. he's going to be at the draft. Yeah, yep. so he might end up first being a day three pick. But, I mean, you talk about a guy that has obviously maximized everything in his life to get to this point. Uh, it's just it's going to be a great moment for him whenever his name does get called because I think if nothing else through this combine process he assured himself that he will get drafted yeah and when you talk about Hubbard to step back to him for a second I think he's a guy who's going to go sooner rather than later because edge rushers are are at a premium not only at a premium but it's not a very deep group of edge rushers in this draft so that's a guy who uh, you know maybe from a pure talent standpoint is going to be rated here, but he's going to be drafted up here because of the position he plays, and there just aren't a lot of those in this draft to find. There really aren't. And then one last name for you, Darius Leonard uh, from South Carolina State. Kind of reminds me of uh, Joe Thomas a little bit, but a, a little bit more athletic, and he will get drafted in those middle rounds as well. I don't know what the need is going to be there for the Packers at, a, at inside linebacker yeah. uh, with Blake Martinez coming back and, and Jake Ryan, but I, I think he's another guy that could be interesting. All right, with that, we will toss it to another break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. So, okay, Wes, the Packers are at the 14th overall pick. If they decide to stay there and select at 14, you wrote a story about this on our website, Packers.com. There's a little bit of history on their side, not only Green Bay Packers history, but NFL history in general with uh, the success of that 14th pick. In Packers history, three times they've drafted at number 14, Two times it's turned out to be an awfully good player. One of those guys is in Canton. Yeah, Dave Robinson, uh, who I think, you know, they built the crux of that team in the late 50s, you know, Jack Venisi and and the scouting department and and the job that Vince Lombardi did developing them. But uh, Dave Robinson was a fun player because he came in in 60, I believe it was 62. Um, So they kind of already turned things around, but that's when they started to kind of fortify things, end up having an incredibly productive career, such a big playmaker, 27 career interceptions. I think every year he was in the league, he had at least one at the linebacker position working with Ray Nitschke, um, just a phenomenal football player. Uh, And then, yeah, Bubba Franks. I mean, Franks isn't the type of guy that, I, I, you know, he's not going into Canton. But I think for that time and place, he fit what they were doing so well. And, and to be honest with you, it was kind of really, truly like the last Ron Wolf type pick. Uh, you know, there were so many questions about that 2001 draft. 
And, you know, he's three-time Pro Bowler, incredibly productive in the red zone. But even more than that, Mike, I went back and looked at it. The last 14 drafts, because it's the number 14th pick, yeah. I went back and looked. 23 Pro Bowlers, 13 All-Pro teams, and five Super Bowl victories among them. Uh, that group includes, you know, Earl Thomas, who's been considered one of, if not the best safety in the NFL. Uh, and then you'd look no further than Darrell Rivas. Yeah. Although Rivas now on the downside of his career, how impactful he was for so many years and in Mike Pettin's scheme as well. Those were the names I was going to mention because uh, you go back to where we started the show talking about is one of these, you know, top defensive backs, Denzel Ward, Minka Fitzpatrick, or Derwin James. Is one of those guys going to be available yeah. potentially at 14 for the Packers? Then you, th- you think about guys like Darrell Revis and Earl Thomas being selected with the 14th pick. I remember back to that 2007 draft, the Packers were sitting at number 16. They wanted Darrell Revis. You know they liked him. You know I don't remember the scenario in terms of the picks they had, if they would have had any opportunity to move up or not, but um, the Jets took him two spots before Green Bay, and uh, obviously the rest is history. But then, again, that goes back to our question of if one of those DBs is there and the Packers really, really like that guy, you know, is Brian Gutekunst going to pull the trigger and make a trade and make sure he doesn't miss out? And I touched on this in Insider Inbox this past week, Mike. To me, that's why I've been saying best available playmaker is the need for the Packers. And more specifically, that's the slot cornerback position. You can manufacture things sometimes on the boundary, but you need that Charles Woodson-type player. It looks like either Fitzpatrick or James could be that guy. I think Ward gives you a little bit more flexibility in terms of being able to be used outside. That's the quandary right now for all these GMs and for Brian Gutekunst trying to figure out who's going to be the next big fit. Yeah, and with that, we are a little closer to the first (laughs) round of the NFL draft, and we will sign off for now on Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, you can find him at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.